morning. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Last week we were in chapter 11, and that spoke of Babel, Babel's creation and Babel's destruction. We saw the wickedness of man's heart was exposed in its founding, where he was attempting to make a lasting habitation for himself. He was looking to give himself life, life everlasting, and a way to get around the judgment of God. Whatever God would throw at it, man thought that he could build himself a place where he was safe and could provide for himself. And he was confident. We saw him working with all his might and strength and spending and laboring and sweating to build this until God came down and divided them, giving them a division of tongues, and they were separated by families, which eventually became nations. And this confusion of language was spread throughout all the earth. But we see that it was already in their hearts. It was already spread and in their hearts that confusion of language, that false gospel that man holds to and believes in. And we saw in this that even after the flood, in which men and women, young and old, were wiped out by the wrath and judgment of God, saving one family, however, the depravity of man's heart yet remained. It was still there. It was not washed away by the flood of of wrath. Now, after telling us of Babel, the spirit immediately returns to Shem and Shem's genealogy, and it makes a beeline for Abraham. It goes right to, brings us right through all the families and all those born from Shem directly to Abraham. It didn't get off onto the other kids or anything, just went right to Abram. And I want to talk to you this morning about Abraham, because he's, a, he's an important figure for those that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's an important figure to us because he's the figure of every child of God. The way that we see God saving Abram is the way that God calls all his children. It's how he saves every one of his children regardless of whether they're Jew or Gentile. Abraham's important to, to a lot of religions in the world, but we look at him simply as a figure of what, how God saves all his people. Galatians 3, 6 and 7 says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted or imputed to him for righteousness, know ye therefore, that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. The same are the children of God. They're children of God regardless if they are natural sons and daughters of Abraham or not. Because like Abraham, sinners believe God and their faith is accounted to them for righteousness 
And they are of faith because they are the children of God. God manifests that faith in those whom he loves. He gives faith to his child. All God's children, like Abraham, are saved by grace through faith. When we're looking at Abraham, a lot of people in religion feel like they're looking at an extraordinary man. But when we look at Abraham, we see an extraordinary God. We see a wonderful God who saves his people to the uttermost by his grace. You know, by nature, when we think of someone who is faithful, whether we're thinking of ourselves or we're thinking of someone else, we often see them as having a tremendous willpower and having great self-control. And we say, that's a, that's a faithful person. But the reality is that the life of faith is marked by the amazing grace of God for that sinner. That is a picture of God's amazing grace to do for them what is not done for everybody. God does it in grace and mercy. We're told in Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 that it's by grace are ye saved through faith. And that that faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. God gives faith. It is not a work of the flesh. It is a gift of the Spirit in you that believe. We didn't do this. God did this gracious work. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we, we that believe by his grace, should walk in them. And this workmanship is what we see in Abraham. We're looking at the workmanship of the Lord Jesus Christ for this man. Abram, Abraham, well, who will be called Abraham, Abram was a man of faith, but he wasn't always a man of faith. He wasn't always a man of faith. He was an idolater. Turn over to Joshua 24. Joshua 24. And just leave your finger when we get there because we're going to go a little little past that in a moment, so you might as well stay there. Joshua 24. And let's, let's, there's a phrase I want you to recognize in verse, let's look at verse 3 first. He says, I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood. And what he's saying is, after the flood, I took Abraham. This is after the flood. Don't be, like when I read it, I thought, what is he talking about, before the flood? (laughs) The other side of the flood? No, he's saying, after the flood, I took Abraham. Now, verse 2. Verse 2. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood. They, they, They were born after the flood. In old time, even Terah the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. Abraham and Abraham's family were idolaters. They worshipped and bowed down to false gods. This faithful man was not always a faithful man. And they descended from Shem. They came through the lineage of of Shem and Arphaxed and through Selah and Eber where the Hebrews got their name from, from Eber. 
they came down that lineage, but they were idolaters here. And they lived in Ur of the Chaldees, where Abram and his brother Nahor took wives. And, and Abraham was called by God while he lived in Ur of the Chaldees. Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through 4, clarifies that for us. He says, this, God called Abraham, Abram before he even left Ur of the Chaldees. And, and what drove them out, finally, what, what brought his father out, what seems to be, because there's a lot of history at this time that we only look down through a glass very darkly. And we're told that, that the oldest son, Haran, died before his father, Terah. And I looked up that word before. It doesn't mean in time he died before his dad died. It means he died before the face of his father. He died before his father's face. He was right there and saw his son die. And Tira said, kids, let's get out of here. Let's round up. Because God had called Abraham. And maybe something was going on. Maybe there was a dispute. I don't know. But God, he saw, Tira saw his son drop dead and die for some reason. And he left with Abraham too. He went out with Abraham to another city. And so, what is it that changed with Abraham? If you're still there in Joshua, let's go a little further to Nehemiah. That's still one of the books of history, so that's before Psalms and before Job and just before Esther. It's Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. That's where you'll find it before Job and Psalms. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse verse 7 tells us, What changed with Abraham? Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abram, and broughtest him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees, and gavest him the name of Abraham. And so, our Lord is telling us, the scriptures are revealing to us that the difference in Abraham from all other idolaters that were in the earth at this time is that God chose Abram. God chose to be gracious to Abram. The difference wasn't because Abraham did something. Abraham didn't sanctify himself and start to do things better than what he was doing. God chose Abraham, and that is the difference. That's what separated Abram from all other idolaters in the earth. So when we're looking at Abraham, and we know that he's a figure of every believer, then we're being given an understanding by our Lord how that God saves sinners. How he saves all his people. The way we see what what we see here and what God did for Abraham This is exactly what God does for every one of his children. And nothing's different. Nothing's different for us than what it was for Abraham. The first thing, and we'll see seven things that the Lord does for Abraham, and these seven things are what the Lord does for us. And the first thing that God does is he chooses whom he will. God chooses whom he will. For he saith unto Moses, I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. 
So then the conclusion is, it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. It's not your free will or my free will. It's not your works or my works. It's of God that showeth mercy to whom he will. He chooses to be gracious to whom he will, apart from any outside influence from us. It's God's choice. God made the difference in Abram from all other families in the earth by choosing that man, that idolater, unto salvation. Paul asked the Corinthians, saying, Who maketh thee to differ from another? That's a good question because we get puffed up. We get puffed up with knowledge. We get puffed up with pride. We think we're something when we're nothing. And the Spirit says, Who maketh thee to differ? Why are you boasting as though you did something? It's God that maketh thee to differ. What hast thou that thou what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Everything we have is by the gift of God. And that's why we thank God, not just in form, not just to do it because the scriptures say that we should do it. We do it because the Lord shows us I don't have nothing if you haven't given it to me first. Good or bad. We thank God because this is the will of God for you. This is the will of God. Is that Second Thessalonians 5.18? We thank him because this is the will of God for you. Or verse 24, one of those. So every blessing that Abram had was because God chose to bless Abraham. He chose to be gracious to Abraham, and that's true of every one of you that believe the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no one who believes Christ that was not first chosen by God. God is the first mover. God chooses whom he will. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And when you get there, leave a marker there, because we'll come back a couple times in a bit to that area. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. We're here because it confirms that God chooses whom he will. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. God manifested His choice of you by giving you His Spirit and giving you life whereby you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because faith is the gift of God and it's not of this flesh. It's His gift to whom He will. All whom God chooses... He saves by the blood redemption of Christ. We don't come another way. We come through the gate on the narrow way, which is as narrow as Christ. It is walking right behind his shoulders. As high as he is, right behind him, he is the narrow way. And that's the way that all God's children go, following him, because God was gracious in choosing them before the foundation of the world and giving them to Christ to save them. Now, because of their redemption by Christ, God calls all his people out of darkness, out of idolatry, out of false religion, out of their folly and their wayward way. 
He calls us out from the broad way and puts us into the narrow way, which is Christ Jesus. So the second thing is that God calls his people out of death and darkness. And this is what we see with Abram. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And so God, having chosen Abram unto salvation in Christ, God called Abram out of idolatry, out of that land of idolatry to serve and to follow him. God called Abram. God never leaves his children in darkness. You know, some people like to think that that God will do that. And so they might have a hope that their loved one is saved, that they're in heaven now when they get there. But God shows us that he never leaves his child whom he loves in darkness. He brings them to the truth, to a knowledge of the truth, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to know what he's done for them. And they confess him, Lord, you've done this for me. He calls us out by his grace. That's what he shows us in the scriptures. Turn back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and this time we'll look at verse 14. We see this love of God is an effectual love. This choosing of God is an effectual choosing. It leads to life and salvation. Whereunto, verse 14, he called you by our gospel. Not only did he choose you in verse 13, he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sinner, have you heard the effectual call of your God? calling you to Christ, to believe Him, to lay down your works and the things that you trust in and the things you think you need, to look to Christ. He calls with an effectual call. He makes you to hear His call of grace and mercy and and to trust that Christ will deliver you into the presence of the Father, safe and sound. As He said, Behold, I and the children whom Thou hast given Christ, he saves his people effectually, effectually. Abraham was called because God drew him effectually to himself according to grace and mercy. Nothing could prevent God, God's will from being done for Abraham. Nothing. You know, some in religion, religion, I was taught that Abraham could have rejected God's call. Abraham could have turned it down and said, no, no, that's not for me, and then Abraham would have been passed by. But thank God that nothing Abraham did could turn him away from God's will being done. We're not God, God is God, and God's will is always accomplished. His will is always brought to pass for his people. We know from the scriptures that left to ourselves, we always do resist the Holy Ghost. That's what Stephen said in chapter 7. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. And that's us by nature. We always resist God. But when God loves a sinner, and he's chosen them, he calls them, and it's effectual. It's effectual to our call, and we do come out. He's not going to leave us in darkness, and he's not going to let us get away. Nothing's going to get us out of God's hand. He's, He's gracious and merciful. Our Lord spoke of this drawing to himself by the Father in John 6, 44, saying, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. He drags him. He brings him. (laughs) 
He brings them. He effectually saves them unto the end. And I will raise him up at the last day. I will. That's a beautiful promise that the children of God rest in. That he's not going to abandon us or leave us behind. He will raise you at the last day. You that believe in him. You that have no righteousness. You that call upon him and say, Lord, save me. Have mercy on me, Lord. He, He hears you. When man does it, you know when a man has come to Christ because he boasts in what he's done. He tells you of what he's done, how he walked the aisle, how he raised his hand, how he gave his heart to the Lord. He tells you what he's done. He boasts in what he's done and focuses all his attention on himself because he's done it. But when God draws a sinner, that sinner glorifies and boasts in what God has done for them. And that's the difference. That's the difference. We speak of what our Lord has done in grace for a sinner, an undeserving sinner, and what he's done. We glory and we boast in Christ. We boast of him and rejoice in him. And so we give him the glory. Now, all whom God chooses and all whom God calls, they will believe. And that is the third thing. His people believe Christ and follow him. Look at Genesis 12, verse 4. So Abram departed. He got up and he followed the voice of his, the call of his God. He got up and he followed him. He departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. So that what happened was he came out of Ur, the Chaldees. They stopped in uh, what's probably Padan Aram. And it, uh, his dad, Tira, probably called it Haran. In, named after his son that he had lost and died before his face. And so they stopped there, and then the Lord moved them further. Tira died, and, and Abram went on, and Nahor stayed there where Rebekah came from. Nahor remained there in Haran, and, and, and Abram went on under the call of God. And God promised to provide for Abram, and he believed God, and he departed. He followed him. We're told in Hebrews 11.8, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. And we see nothing stopped them. Not even the, the beauty of Haran where they, where they parked it for a little while. God moved them on further. He never let them go. He never, he never stopped. He didn't let them stop there. He brought them all the way in faith, believing God. And so God's grace works faith in the sinner. He gives them faith whereby his chosen believe him. And we we call upon him. We'll call upon Christ. If he's chosen us and he's called us, he gives us faith. Turn back in Thessalonians, this time to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And so the Lord is showing us the scriptures hath concluded all under sin. We're all sinners, but sinners saved are differed from other sinners in that they hear Christ 
and they receive Christ, and they believe Christ, and follow him. They follow him. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. It's a faithful promise that our Lord fulfills in his people. He'll cause us to follow him, and we will not walk in darkness. We'll continue walking by faith in our Lord, trusting him. The faith of God's children obeys God by following the one whom he sent. That's how we obey God. It's by faith, looking to Christ, trusting that he is all my salvation. And so believing Christ is the obedience of faith that God works in the heart of all his children. All his children believe Christ. Fourth, God blessed Abram. He said back in Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, where does God bless his people? Does he bless his people in church, coming to church? Does he bless his people in good works? Does he bless his people in baptism? No, those are the forms of things. He blesses his people in Christ. (laughs) And so when we come, we come with a willing heart. And God blesses his people to hear the voice of Christ and comfort us in coming to to church services and hearing the word preached. And he blesses his people with his workmanship unto good works, which he's ordained in us in Christ. And we're baptized, believing the Lord, because the Lord has done this in us. He's, He's given us faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So all the blessings aren't in what we do. They're not the sanctification Christ himself is the sanctification, and that's why we walk in truth. It's for Christ's sake. It's what he's done in us, to the praise and glory of his name. And so when you read a a passage like Ephesians 1, verse 3, which says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, We see that it's all in him, all because of Christ. Every blessing you have, brethren, is in Christ. Nothing is apart from Christ. Nothing is because of what you have done or haven't done or said or didn't say. It's all for Christ's sake. It's all the blessings are in Christ. And those good works that follow are all his workmanship. They're all of his hand. And then as you read in Ephesians 1, we see those those blessings that it's according as he hath chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that he's predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to what? The good pleasure of his will, of his will, all within himself, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Not according to the riches of our works, but according to the riches of his grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's all of God's grace and not of man's works. And I emphasize this because the Muslims look to Abraham and and boast of him. The Jews look to Abraham and boast of him. A lot of Christendom looks to Abraham and boasts of him. 
Our boast is of the Lord. Our boast is of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's all of his grace and mercy. Fifth, we see Abraham was a tried man. He was a tried man. His faith was proven by God. Not to prove to God that he was a faithful man, but to prove to Abram that the Lord had done this, that he was the Lord's work, that he was the Lord's servant, that he was saved by the Lord. And so we see when we look at Abram's life, because the rest of Genesis is about Abraham and his physical seed after him. That's the rest of, of Genesis now. Well, Abraham, he was tried constantly. His wife, Sarah, was barren. He was called to leave all his family and land and familiarity and things that he knew. He was called to go out, and it says he didn't even know where he was being called to. He just knew he was leaving that place behind, and he wasn't going back. And, and he never did turn, turn back. When he got to Canaan, it was filled with more sons of Ham, <laughs> a bunch more idolaters from Ham's lineage, the Canaanites. And he always dwelt in tents. He never put down stakes. He never went back to a city that I can tell. Even when he was in Egypt, he didn't hang out in cities for all I know. He dwelt in tents. He dwelt in tents and he never turned back. Even when he got to Canaan and there was, was a famine. And that's hard for believers, especially those who begin to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Lord opens their ear and they begin to call upon the Lord and they start following the Lord and, 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 and think that they're going to do things differently from here on, trials come. Trials come. And it really confuses young believers because they think, have I done something wrong? Did I make a mistake here? Am I still holding on to some secret sin? Maybe God doesn't love me. And all these questions go through our minds because we're looking at ourselves in the trial. But the Lord has done it for our good. He's the one that brings the trial. He loved Abraham. We see he chose Abraham. He called Abraham. Abraham. He gave faith to Abraham whereby he believed. He blessed Abraham. And yet right out of the gate, all these trials come to Abraham. And so, believer, don't be put off when you experience trials. When you go through the fiery trial... All these things are testified to that God gives these to the believer for our good. For our good. You think about when we go through trials, what does it do? It takes our proud, haughty self and it puts us on our face. It drops us to our knees and puts us on our face to go to God and say, to cry out to him, Lord, what's going on? And we seek him because otherwise... I'm pretty confident in myself. I can go a long time to my shame and to the dishonor of me. I can go a long time, but when God is merciful, that's when I'm brought to my knees and I'm reminded, who are you? What do you think you're doing? You're proud and puffed up and arrogant, and he brings me down on my face. And it hurts the flesh, but the spirit, the new man rejoices in what he's done. And so he shows us through trials what? Not the strength of us. He shows us his glory and his power in the face of, of what we think is impossible, yet God does something and we know, Lord, only you could do this. And I'm sad to say, then we go a little time and we forget. And we get proud and arrogant again, and the Lord reminds us graciously, 
that without him we can do nothing. And so Paul was made to, to confess. He said, I take pleasure in infirmities. I doubt he took pleasure right away, <laughs> but he learned by grace to take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, not for being a rebellious fool, but for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am I strong. And even when we are rebellious and we're brought low, we're made to confess, Lord, you're good. You're good. You're right, Lord. You're just. What you do is, is right, and you know, Lord. And Thank you. Thank you. Because he brings, he does that for his child. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And so it's not because God hates you that you go through fiery trials. It's because he loves you. And he's drawing you to himself and he's keeping you and never letting you go. He will not let you go. Now because of a famine that came into the land when they got to Canaan, they had to go down further to Egypt. They didn't turn back closer to to Haran or Ur. They went even further away from that place. And they went down to Egypt and Abram asked Sarah to say that she was his sister. He said in Genesis 12, 13, Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. What's Abram doing here? He's fearful of the the Egyptians. He's being fearful of of the Egyptians. What he's doing is sinful. He shouldn't do this. Because in Egypt, he was probably right that they would they, they took notice of, of Sarah. She was a beautiful woman, and they would maybe they would have tried to kill Abraham and take Sarah for themselves. Which shows you that they wouldn't commit adultery, but they would murder you and then take your wife that way. You know, they, they, they were careful not to do adultery. I guess because then that person could come after you and maybe get you, but um, that's what, what they did. But what we see there is that he didn't believe God. He was faithless. This faithful man now fell in unbelief. And what's that saying? That the best of men are but men at best? Something like that. And, and it shows that we are sinners. We're always, in this flesh, we are sinners. In this flesh, we are not perfect. In this flesh, we, are, we see what we are without the grace of God keeping us. And so that's the, the sixth the sixth thing is that all believers are sinners saved. We don't become perfect in the flesh. We are sinners saved by his grace. And we walk after him. And we, we are ashamed of our sin. We don't want to practice sin. But we see the weakness of our flesh. And we're reminded of it that we might be gracious to one another. And kind to one another. And forgive one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That we would be tender and merciful and kind to, to our brethren. Because without the Lord, we can do nothing. And so we see Abraham sinned. Abraham fell in unbelief. But in spite of Abraham's sin, we see that God restored him. God preserved him. And that's the seventh thing. Pharaoh was angry with Abraham when he did this. When he found out that Sarah was Abram's wife, Pharaoh was angry. But Pharaoh didn't harm him. And Pharaoh had loaded him up with gifts to, to sweeten the deal, to let her brother go to, to Pharaoh to be his wife, and he gave him various things and cattle and whatnot, and he didn't take any of those things from Abram. He sent them out with all that he gave him. 
It says in verse 20, And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning Abram, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. And so the seventh thing that our Lord does is he preserves his people. He preserves you to the end. Nothing you do is going to take you from the grace of God. Don't, don't play. Don't tempt God. But nothing we can do can take us away from the Lord. It's his grace and mercy. So what you see in Abraham is what the Lord works in all his children. It's his grace doing these things for us. So in Abraham, we see what God does for all his children from beginning to end. It's all of his grace for us who are sinners. Sinners saved by his grace for Christ's sake. I pray the Lord bless that word to you, brethren. Amen.